Okay, welcome to episode 68. This is the Less Doing Podcast, the podcast where we teach you how to automate, outsource, and in generally increase productivity in your daily life. Here is your host, Ari Mizell. Thank you. This, this is how you know that we're not pre-recording that intro and just using the same one over and over. So uh, thank you very much, Felix. Uh, so we are, well, actually, I think we should just get right to this. I know that the audio quality on my end has been just unacceptable, and I really apologize to everybody for that. And, and I, Felix has some comments on that. He, he said that we had to say something about it. Yes, yeah, I apologize to everyone because I'm the guy in charge of this. And, uh, and you know, I should be the one straightening this out. But uh, it, the quality, especially in the last one, was was appalling. And uh, I hope you... I hope it's sounding good already. Uh, I think it is. Uh, so uh, it won't happen again. Well, thank you. So I, basically, you know, I'm recording in a bunker essentially in my gym. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, you got to get this mic. This is the mic you got to get. And I got that mic. And uh, Felix, who is a professional, is telling me how much it's not about the mic. It's about the room. So we're doing the best we can. And I know that this sounds better already. And we will continue to improve it. And most importantly, your feedback is greatly appreciated and we definitely take it to heart. So Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for writing in and letting us know that. It's, yes, it's really absolutely. important. And for the positive feedback Appreciate in terms it. of the, the new format that we've sort of been taking. So uh, we have one review, right? No questions today, but one review. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, Charles E. Bowden Jr. has given a five-star review on Amazon. Ari's a productivity ninja. I run multiple businesses in different states, and I use his suggestions daily. I highly recommend his book and website to anyone who wants to run an efficient business or an efficient life. Thank you, Charles. Awesome. Yes, thank you very much, and uh, I, we really appreciate that. And if you hear your review read on the show, then you know, get in touch with us through the website, and we will send you out a free Less Doing t-shirt, thanks to our friends at Zazzle. So thank you very much for that. So I have a a little conundrum at the house right now. We have all three kids have uh, Coxsackie disease, which is um, foot and mouth disease, basically. It's very common in kids, very, very common in kids. And it causes... Hand, foot, and mouth disease. Hand, foot, and mouth disease, right. (laughs) Foot and mouth is a... Sorry, yeah, foot and mouth syndrome, yeah, where you... Farm animal. Which is what I just did, basically. No, that's hoof and mouth, actually. Think, oh, okay. Well, it's called foot and mouth. Anyway, yeah. yeah, right. So yeah. hand, foot, and mouth disease. So basically it results in a very, very high fever all of a sudden and then these nasty looking like sores on their on their uh, different parts of their body. So my son Ben got it and then the twins got it and it's just been an interesting couple of days. But the, the point of that is that I got to try out a service that I've been wanting to try for a while called Doctors on Demand. And it, so doctors on demand, so we have a, a really amazing pediatrician, but it's always kind of nice to get a second opinion. And doctors on demand is a iPhone app where you can get in, in contact with a doctor. It's a secure app. You, we waited about five minutes. It's forty dollars. You know, my copay is fifty bucks, so it was forty dollars flat flat fee for fifteen minutes, basically. And you have wow. a video chat, yeah, with a doctor. And you can send high def pictures. So we got a, you know, I told him what the symptoms were beforehand. We got connected with the pediatrician in less than five minutes. She, you know, I was able to show her all the sores, take some pictures, um, look at, you know, diaper rat, like all this stuff. And then she, you know, gave us her sort of diagnosis, which is interesting to be done by telemedicine. But she did that. But then she also called in a prescription for us uh, for what we she was recommending. 
and it was great. Uh, we, you know, it was it was actually really amazing. So they can do that for adults. Obviously, they can do it for you know you want to you have a skin thing that you want to show somebody to, or or you're traveling and you just not you don't have you can't get your doctor on the phone. It's available 24 hours a day, and they can write prescriptions. So I was really impressed. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that was really cool and I wanted to put that out there. And of course, we're putting all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes. But the, uh, there's two things that, I've been, that I got supplements or samples of this week, one of which is the Cliff Bars. I don't actually have them on my desk, but the new Cliff Bar Builder Bars, which is cool. And Felix, did you try yours last night? Uh, I haven't, no. Okay. <clears throat> but the reason I haven't got them there is because we took them away and ate them, isn't it? Yeah, right. That's true. So Felix and I and uh, two friends of ours did, uh, did a, a pretty cool workout yesterday, which I actually want to describe. But uh, So Cliff Bars are they're pretty good. They have a lot of ingredients. Obviously, they're, they're processed things. They're processed foods. But pretty good. They're great. Yeah, well, they are really – as far as the ingredients, the only, the only main issue I have, honestly, is that they use soy protein, and I'm not a huge fan of soy protein. However – However, if you're going to use a bar, if you're going to use a, you know, a protein bar, then there are obviously some that are better than others. And I would say that this is actually one of the, the better ones that I've ever seen. And what I like is that they actually now offer it in a 10-gram, 20-gram, and a 30-gram version. And for most people, I feel like they're going to see that and be like, oh, I want the 30-gram. I want the big one. But oh, yeah. if you're actually trying to dial in and get to a specific amount of protein in your diet – it's actually a pretty decent way to do it, depending on the kind of workout you do or just the amount of protein. Because one of the this is sort of a side topic. One of the things that people don't realize often, and uh, I, I think that Felix's wife Claire actually had this experience until when she went paleo and then sort of shifted things around, is that high fat is not just about low carb. It's also actually about moderate protein because too much protein essentially just turns into sugar in your liver and your body, and the amount of protein that you need is really somewhere between 0.6 and 0.8 grams per pound of body fat. You know, so that means that for, you know, well, not a hundred pounders or for a 200 pound person, they really don't need more than 120 grams of protein a day. Uh, unless they're really like working out hard, they're an endurance athlete, something like that, then even beyond, you know, going up to 0.8, which would be 160 grams of protein a day, they're, they really don't see any benefit and there actually can be some detriment to that. So having this ability to sort of, you know, dial in that last 20 or that last 30 or, or just fit it into a meal, I think is actually a pretty cool move on their part. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I thank you to Cliff Bar for sending them. Awesome. Thank but, you. Yeah, but so the workout. So we, we've been working on squats a lot and Felix particularly has been doing very well with squats but we were trying to work on the front squat last night and it's it's funny because a lot of people know the back squat very few people not i'm sorry not very few people but a lot of people don't work on the front squat you know so with the back squat you have the bar on your back across your back it's usually a pretty heavy weight that you can get to with the front squat it's you're basically choking yourself right when you describe that yeah yeah i'd say so so i mean that's why i didn't do it well right so it's like a really awkward position but we uh, th- there's a, a method of calculating your weights called or the weights that you should be doing, which is called the Wendler method. And we ended up actually doing that for deadlifts. So in the middle of the workout, we did four Tabata intervals. And for people who don't know, the Tabata or Tabata is a protocol for high intensity interval training. It's considered to be one of the it's one of like the gold standards. Very very effective and very short because it takes about four minutes. And what you're doing is you're doing 20 seconds of maximal effort, 
10 seconds of rest, and then you do that eight times through, so that's four minutes total. And when I say maximal effort, I mean maximal actual effort. You are supposed to be going into the red zone. It's supposed to hurt. You're, you really have to like make it make it count. So normally you would do a little warm-up, then you would do the, the four minutes of intensity work, and then you have a cool-down. And that work could be sprinting, could be jumping jacks, it could be kind of anything along those lines. But we, or I, I guess, decided for, that we were going to do four tabata intervals last night. And what I'm actually blanking, Felix. What were the exercises that we ended up doing for the tablet? Okay. Yeah, we did. Uh, there were kettlebell, kettlebell lifts, which is where you pick up a kettlebell and swing it up high. Yeah. 53 uh, pounds we were using, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, we went on the rowing machine. We went on, we did the squat, you know, medicine ball throw, whatever the name of that ball wall is. Wall balls, wall balls, yeah. Wall balls and, and burpees, um, I think. And burpees, yeah, burpees, that's it. It's funny how yeah. these kind of meld together. So we did four of those in a row, and I think everybody was pretty gassed at the end of that. But uh, oh, God, everyone, everyone, everyone did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's horrible. But the thing is that what's so amazing about those intervals is that you get that like caloric burn, that VO two max increase, like the 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 results from it are just incredible. I mean, and- I, I think it's worth mentioning here that the oh, is that the the boost to your metabolism and the productivity um, by doing 16 minutes of short of of a uh, high high intensity interval, break yeah. interval training like that high intensity break you know we're just doing 20 seconds on 10 seconds off is so much more productive than say going for a run for half an hour yeah absolutely and 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 I do actually want to footnote that because so our actually the our nanny right now is a, a she runs every day a three to five miles she loves it but she's not had really seen any effects from it per se but she does love it so <laughs> right so we get her in the gym hey eh? <laughs> well I've been having her do some tabata sprints and stuff and it's actually already started to have an effect but I told her like don't stop the longer running if you like it you know that's yeah. the, like if you enjoy that and you get some benefit out of that fine but if you're doing it because you want to lose weight or because you are trying to get more fit, that may not be the best strategy. That's so. That's that's kind of the main thing there. And and, and I've also read that it's a really great way to sort of kickstart your metabolism as well as metabolism, isn't it? The yeah, oh yeah, yeah absolutely. interval training. Absolutely, it just sends your metabolism to like skyrocket zone, basically. So, yeah. um, but okay. So then we ended with a, a Wendler set, which is where so we were doing deadlifts. And the deadlift is where you're basically picking up a barbell off the ground and standing up with it. And it's uh, it's essentially the heaviest lift a human being can do. That's where you see like the strong men doing 1,100 pounds and stuff like that. It's kind of ridiculous. Or it's very ridiculous. But what we did yesterday was we took a 165-pound bar and you had to lift it without stopping until you failed. And that wasn't to the point of saying like, oh, I can't do this anymore. It's where you actually go to pick it up and you drop it because you can't do it anymore. So it's a it's a test to sort of see what you what your one rep max and some other metrics should be off of that. And and Felix, mm. you did really well. You did eight reps of that. I I, uh, I we had a range of eight reps up to like twenty six, which was our our friend Johnny. And what's interesting about it, particularly, I think, is that you can use that to know where you should sort of be aiming towards. So you had that at eight reps for 165 pounds, and I should have calculated this before, but basically... It was you, 208 for me. 208, right. So basically, yeah. based on that performance, Felix's one rep max should be 208, 210, 26, somewhere in that range. So that's something to... That's a goal to work towards, which is... And, and there's a calculator that we'll put in the show notes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, that was our workout, and then we 
had some protein bars. So uh, <laughs> the other sample that I got, which I am going to show you guys because it's really cool, is body beans. So first of all, thank you always in general to people who send me samples because I, I do try them. I test them out with my friends, of course, and I love it. Uh, so body beans, if you can see this, if you're watching the video, this looks like it's a uh, like a bag of coffee, which is I just think is really nice packaging. And then there are individual packets like this, where with with sort of the day supplements in them, and I, I like mm. I like the mix that they did. Honestly, I, I haven't had enough time to sort of extensively test them, but based on what's in it, I think I kind of know how I would respond. So there's they have the body beans, uh, the battle beans, which is basically antioxidants. So it's vitamin C, uh, camu camu, rose hips, like all that kind of those whole food based vitamin C sources, which is really great. Mm. And so that's antioxidants going to help with free radicals and sort of the stress that that causes in our body. They have mm. boomer beans, which is their omega-3, 6, and 9 fatty acid complex. And they're getting them from safflower oil and flaxseed oil and sunflower oil. So they're not, they're not fish oil-based, but they're still effective forms of those fatty acids. There's the breakdown beans, which is a whole bunch of probiotics, which I'm a huge proponent of. But then the really interesting one is what they call belly beans. And the belly beans mm. one is basically aimed at helping to I, – I, I'm assuming it's aimed at helping with fat loss. But all of the supplements are essentially help with blood sugar management. Okay. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to include and it's quite a stack honestly. So they have cinnamon bark. Cinnamon is everyone from – I mean all sorts of people talk about it. Tim Ferriss was, was talked about how cinnamon was made it so that you could really manage blood sugar and eat a whole bunch of sugar things on his cheat day and not get the effects of it. It even has bitter melon extract in it, which is actually something I recommend frequently to people who have been sort of plateauing and have real trouble losing weight or blood sugar issues where they're really not eating a lot of sugar, but their glucose levels are still really high. So this is, it's a really interesting stack. So I'm excited to kind of try it out. And did you take one yet today? No, I totally forgot about it. Well, we should try it out. We should both report yeah. back on uh, how it feels. Yeah. So uh, then there, this is a totally random thing, and it's kind of ridiculous, but I think it's amazing. Uh, did you see the Flatev, Felix? Oh yes, I was telling <laughs> I was telling Johnny and Byed about that last oh, night. Oh my god! They, okay, they well, thought it was a great idea. Then. You talk about it. <laughs> no, no, you, you should you should describe it. Otherwise, I, I okay. did a horrible job last night trying to explain it. But, oh, okay. So you go ahead. Okay, so if you, if any of you have a K cup maker, a K cup coffee machine, and you know what they kind of look like, and you have little K cups that have the coffee in them, the little coffee capsules. But yes, the coffee capsule. Yeah. The flat have is the same thing, except it makes tortillas. <laughs> And it's, I mean, you look at this and you think it's a joke, but it's actually not. You can pre-order it um, now. It's like I think mm. 100 and something bucks. Um, and they're pods. And the pods just have stone ground. Uh, they're gluten-free. They have stone ground corn flour and water. Basically, that's, that's all. Or I guess you have to add the water. But it's basically flour and water. It, it, you put the pot in and you get fresh tortillas. And I just... I love how, how, wait, how long does it take to make it? It says it's like uh, seconds or something. Um, it, I, yeah. I'm actually trying to find that. Yeah, we, we've got to put the video because the video is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have to. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll put a link to the video in the show notes. But this thing yeah. is amazing. I mean, I I actually so you know corn is gluten free. So it, depending on if you, I mean, of course, there's it's very hard to get non GMO corn. But uh, I love tortillas and I love making my huevos rancheros thing that I talked about and putting it on a tortilla. So the idea of having a flat a uh, fresh tortilla is very exciting to me. So, have you ordered one? 
No, I have not yet. I always have to – anytime something like this comes up, I literally have to stop myself from like getting yes. noticed and buying it right away. I try to think about it for a day or two because as I've said publicly before, my one vice basically is infomercials. So I have all this yeah. stuff that you know, we end up not needing. So I, yeah. try, I try, to, try to be a little better about it. Uh, there was a great article about how parenting rewires the male brain. So I know that you and I are going to maybe have some – some discussion on this, but oh wow, I haven't read that. I'm looking yeah. forward to reading it. Okay. So basically, what it says, and you know, so Felix has two young children. I have three young children. Our both of our youngest, uh, my twins, and Felix's youngest are pretty much the same age. So like, we have been around babies for quite a while. And I would also, I think, I can fair to say that you and I are both fairly involved fathers in terms of the baby duties. Uh, I'd say so. Yes. So. It rewires our brains, and they actually they've even they did this test with homosexual male couples, like they did this test with with like uh, single fathers, and like it apparently turns on what they're they're calling this maternal circuit, um, which is which is really interesting. I mean, it actually it, it, the so it's all about um, a lot of it has to do with like oxytocin, and so that's mm. something that you know gets released with it's a trust hormone that's typically associated with childbirth and breastfeeding, but. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, we can produce it too the same way. I'd say I go a step further. I'd say that they take away your brain and don't give it back. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. so this is this is what was really funny is that apparently in in mothers, the, so the activation was stronger in the amygdala centered network, and the amygdala is like our lizard brain. That's like our our uh, you know our evolutionary sort of brain that controls like fight or flight and all this stuff. It's just like the very basic like you know hunt, kill, protect, mm. whatever. So. Basically, what it said, the quote it said is that it's as if the father's amygdala can shut off when there's a woman around. So basically, the circuit is activated by the rush of hormones during conception. So essentially, we're getting the same hormonal response that women would get, which is if you're an involved parent and it rewires your brain, which is it's just fascinating to me how the brain works. So uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe that makes us like less effective hunters. But fortunately, we don't have to do much hunting right now. Yeah. So we're going to link to that. It's a, it's, a, it's a worthwhile article. And if you like digging into studies, it's worthwhile checking out the study as well. Okay. There is uh, an article on the Biohacks blog, which is Ben Greenfeld's other blog. And it's talking about how to change the muscle activation during a plank. So well, I try to incorporate the plank fairly often in our workouts. Mm-hmm. This is basically saying that if you suspend the arms or the feet, you get a, a, basically a significant increase in the effectiveness of the plank. So just like in, in, our, in the gym where, where Felix and I work out, I have uh, Olympic rings and we can lower them down towards the floor. And basically so if, what it's saying is if you're putting your hands in those so you're causing that extra stabilization or you put your feet in it so it's even you know, that stabilization, the effect is much greater. So you know what that means, right? No. Next time we're we do, doing that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we do plank, yeah, we will be suspended. So, oh, well, oh so we mean we'll we'll do it from the Olympic rings. So we'll basically do a plank in the Olympic rings. Basically, yeah. Oh, I see. I see. Oh, yeah. wow. So it's oh, oh you'll you'll lower it really down so the rings are down right. The floor. It'll just be a couple oh, inches off the floor. Okay, yeah. Cool. So you're, you know you, you, you're gonna yeah. get that like shakiness where you're trying to hold it in and everything, and you you end up uh, recruiting okay. a lot more muscles. It, it's sort of in the same regard that if you if you're getting to like near your one rep max in any kind of lift, for instance, with the Olympic bar, one of the tips that is often given is that if you squeeze the bar, 
like squeeze it like you're trying to crush it. What that ends up doing is recruiting muscles farther and farther up the arm, and you actually can sort of increase your strength by something like 5% or something yeah. immediately, which is sometimes all you need to get that few extra pounds off the ground. Okay. So, uh, and then there was one more plugin that I wanted to talk about, which is, is called that Mitro. Mitro, yeah, or yeah. So you use LastPass, right? No, I use One Password. Okay, so you use a password I manager. Highly recommend to everyone. It's the greatest app that ever ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. No, Mitro. no, not at all. So Mitro is a password sharing uh, plugin basically for Chrome and it looks really sexy, honestly. So when we talk about like giving virtual assistants access to bank accounts or, you know, your Google accounts, whatever it might be, or Amazon, there, there's, it's always like a question that comes up and LastPass and OnePass and, and those are, they're very good, but this looks like it's actually a little bit, uh, it's more seamless. Um, so you can, first of all, you can import stuff from LastPass or OnePassword, so you can get all your stuff in there right away, which is pretty amazing. Uh, right. But then it sounds like it just makes it so simple. It says, give colleagues, freelancers, and agencies temporary access to websites without exposing your password or requiring them to install software. So it, it even lets you, you can share credit card numbers, Wi-Fi passwords, like security question answers, all that information. So this, how, how does it give them temporary access? Do you have to do that yourself? I mean, go in and change the password afterwards? Or? So that's what I'm not sure about because so I'm, I've been playing around with it, but I haven't actually I haven't been on the side of being having someone share a password with me. Oh, okay. Oh, well, we need to try that. Yeah, so I, we should try it actually and see how mm. it, how it works because it, it shows a lot of promise. Uh, but the, imagine that the way it gives you temporary access is that it's giving somebody. There, there's one of two ways I can imagine. One is that. It's logging in for them. So, although it says that they don't have to install anything, so I'm not sure how that would work. The other thing is that it can give them like a gateway, basically. And I've seen this before with a couple beta programs where essentially they're getting a link and they're clicking on that link, and then they're basically it's not a VPN, but essentially it's almost like you're it's like a virtual machine, basically. So they're getting access through their their browser to whatever you're giving them access to, but they're not actually having to log in. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That wow. may be. So we really, we actually, I, we probably should have tested that out beforehand. But I think that this is worth checking into, and people should try it. And I'd love yeah. to see their feedback as well. Yeah. So uh, one of the new features that we want to talk about that we want to bring to the show now is that Felix and I basically want to share a tip each week, sort of something specific and actionable that we've been doing that you know you might find interesting or might inspire you to do something else that makes your life more optimal. So Felix, why don't you go first? That's right. It's the productivity productivity tip of the week time Mm -hmm. and my tip is an ifttt rule last time uh or a couple of shows ago i mentioned that i was using SoundGecko to uh for the links that ari sends me and what i did is i set up an ifttt rule um so that what that does is when ari sends me a link it uh, of a of a news article, what it does is it passes that text and it puts it into Pocket, and then it also adds it to SoundGecko, which um, which recites it, which basically recites the article back to me using an app, and it goes into a podcast. I'll put this all in the show notes. Um, but what I did is I set up, I you know, I, I thought, well, you know, my wife likes to send me um, New York Times articles; she loves New York Times. So I set up another one of those. I set up a label in Gmail which says label anything from claire which has a new york times link forward that to pocket 
and that automatically gets added to SoundGecko and Evernote through IFTTT. And so now I can listen to anything my wife sends me automatically appears in my podcast and I can just listen to that uh, as a podcast driving around or or wherever. Yeah, so I, I think that it's, I mean, it's, it's a really good use and it's a really good example for everybody to realize. So it, it's, it's not a lot of effort, obviously, for Felix to get an email and then forward it to SoundGecko. It's also not a lot of effort to – there's a few steps there that technically aren't a lot of effort. But the truth is that so many of these things can be automated. So see how much you actually can remove yourself from the process sometimes when you're doing this. So the, the end result here is listening to podcasts, right? Yeah, so yeah exactly. it's like – if everything that leads up to that, if you, you, we can try to mitigate basically so that you don't have to have anything to do with it at all. And that's, I think that's a really good way to look at it. And it's a, it's a really good example. So I, I think everybody probably who listens to podcasts could try that out because a lot of times there's articles that you might read that or want to read that you're just not getting to. And SoundGecko, which we'll have to link to also in the show notes, is a really great really yeah. great web app so and it's free for you know for basically articles up to like eight minutes or something like that yeah so i think it's, it's a great. thousand words or something like that yeah it's brilliant yeah so my and what's yours uh, so it's not so much a tip because i've actually been stumped on this one and i would love to get people's ideas and feedback on this so i have a belkin wemo switch uh at our front door and it's you can connect that to ifttt now but basically it's a remote control switch you can control it from your iphone um and light switch light switch yeah what yeah. did i say oh just a switch oh yeah, yeah so light switch yeah, sorry yeah, yeah no, uh, no. so we have it on the front porch light and basically all i have it do right now is 45 minutes after sunset and up till 45 minutes before sunrise it turns the light on so it's sort of like our, our one light that's on outside the house. And based on Wi-Fi, it knows when the sunrise and sunset is. So it's actually more accurate than a photo sensor. It's really cool. But there is one thing now that you can do with it that's new. And IFTTT included this as a new thing, a new trigger. So basically, if you press the switch for two seconds, so they call it a long hold, that in itself can be a trigger for something else. Uh, cool. Yeah, so the, the sort of obvious way to use that is like, oh, if I long press this, then turn off all of the Belkin Wemo switches, you know, in the room or something. So if you want to do like room control. But because it's an IFTTT trigger, yeah, I think that there's something much cooler and way more awesome that we can do with that. And I've been totally stumped. And one of the things that I actually did with it, just, to, just for fun to try it out, was uh, I've been using it. I used it to uh, pay our nanny. <laughs> so basically when I so I pay our nanny using Square pa- Square Cash. And to mm-hmm. do Square Cash, as I've talked about before on the podcast, you send an email and you send an email to the person and then you copy Square Cash with the uh dollar amount in it. So I mm-hmm. set it up. So if you long press that button, the trigger it triggers a Gmail message to then send to my our nanny and pay her. So basically I made it you- so that when she walks out the door, I can walk over and just press it and pay her. Wow. But no, okay, and wow, but, that's, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's not very useful, right? That's kind no, of no, silly. no, no, no. I just can't wait for Julian to go over there and fiddle around with it, and uh, you know, <laughs> she gets she, like gets, she gets like a lot of a big bonus, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I thought about that, uh, and I, well, I also thought about like if if she saw me do it, you know, Julian's my uh, three year old son. Everyone, yes, Karen. right, my nephew. So. Anyway, that's I just had to do something with it, but I know that there's some really amazing use for it, and I want somebody to give me a suggestion because honestly, at this point, <laughs> I am stuck. And I know that it, you know the opportunity may present itself, but right now, I don't know a really good use for that. And I think it's such a cool tool, especially since there was just that that uh, 
it, it just they just announced it. It's like called Button B T T N or something, and it's going to be the exact same thing. You push a button, and it like hits I S T T T. So, uh, cool. yeah. Well, um, um, anyway, that's that's it's not really a tip per se. It, it's sort of I, I mean, it is a tip in a way that you know it's an example. But I would love to hear people's ideas on that. Yeah, yeah. If anyone can come up with something like a sort of nuclear missile launch that's triggered, that would be awesome. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so uh, the interview today is with Stella Grisant of Whoopa, and it's all about happiness and hacking happiness. And Whoopa is just like her, basically, way of being like, yeah, excited about everything. And she, it was a really great, really great conversation about how to hack your happiness, how to sort of overcome obstacles, and just be more effective, essentially. So uh, she gives us access to a free Ud- a free course and then discount to her Udemy course about hacking happiness. And it, it was a really great conversation. So I, I hope everybody enjoys it. And as usual, if you leave a review on Amazon or on iTunes and we read it, you'll get a free T-shirt. But more than that, it's really helpful for us. It's good feedback. And it keeps the show up in the ratings so that other people can hear the message, which is the goal. So thank you for listening. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> My guest today is Stella Grisant, who is the founder of Whoopa. So, hi, Stella. Hi, well said. That is exactly how you should say it every time. <laughs> I well, so before I even ask any questions, there was a uh, psychology article I read the other day with like psychology hacks, and one of the things that said you should do to sort of be happier is that. When you wake up in the morning, the second you wake up, you should hop out of bed, put your hands up in the air, and go, yeah! So, uh, anyway, the whoop I reference, I'm guessing, is Chandler? Um, no, it's so interesting. that I've learned about all these whoop references after I launched my businesses. It was just like an epiphany. I loved, I loved how it made me feel when I just like said it. So I was like, I want people to feel happy every time they say my company name. And so... There it was, yeah. But the standing up is really good because when you, this like posture signals to your nervous system that you're confident and you're victorious and it does all kinds of things. So good posture is very important for your happiness, yeah. Okay, so in case anybody doesn't realize, we're going to be talking about happiness. So, Oh, there we go. <laughs> what is WUPA? Uh, so I launched WUPA to... Uh, help organizations and employees essentially get unstuck and thrive being their most creative and productive and happy self because we know that when employees are well they're more productive they're they're they are more creative and um every you know they're performing better so by making people by teaching people about well-being and positive psychology and the science of happiness is what which is what we do and coaching individuals on how to really find meaning in their life um we help organizations and people run better okay makes sense so i like happiness i think most people like happiness but how do you hack happiness yeah that's a great question well Okay, so one of the things that is very tricky about uh, our minds and our brains is that we have something called a negativity bias. So what that means is that we have a natural instinct to focus on what is bad, wrong, or threatening. Like our mind automatically goes there no matter how, you know, 
what, regardless of how optimistic we are or whatever, um, our mind tends to pay attention to the bad stuff first. And that's a survival instinct that worked really well for us back in the day of caveman and et cetera. But if we really want to be happy and thrive, what we have to do is hack that wiring and rewire our thinking, rewire our instincts in order to be able to step positively and see all the goodness around us first, or at least be able to curtail the time and the space that we spend in the negative zone and be able to either step back into the positivity or at least hold the positive events in this in another hand while we're holding the negative events in one hand that wasn't very articulate but basically um hacking happiness is about training and rewiring your brain uh to really focus on what is good and how to handle the bad so that you can quickly bounce back from it because we can't eliminate the bad stuff from our lives and the negative events that happen, but what we can do is train ourselves to deal with them more fluidly. So, I mean, how is this, I mean, not how is it, it it's all got a lot of basis, obviously, in, in cognitive behavioral therapy and stoicism even, right? I'm not familiar with stoicism. Okay, well, I mean, so, well, but cognitive behavioral therapy actually has a big basis in stoicism. Stoicism being the philosophy, um, ancient uh, Roman, or ancient philosophy basically saying that um, we can't change events, but we can change our perception of the events. Oh, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. how did, well, okay, actually let's back up a little bit. How did you kind of get to this place? You know, what did, did you have something that was in your life that sort of made you turn to look for this or how did you become, you know, more or less an expert in happiness? That's a great question. Well, I've had a, I mean, just like everybody else, we all have our stories. I mean, you have, an amazing story of overcoming a disease and that's so inspiring and everyone has their their thing i mean i've i've experienced loss from a very early age i lost my father when i was 6 i've lost you know grandfathers early on um you know grandparents in the holocaust like that family stuff um and I don't think any one of those events, you know, I, I worked really hard and burned myself out multiple times. I had a bunch of bad relationships that, you know, broke my heart. So I think we've all had our stuff. Um, but I've always been interested in how does the human spirit triumph and how do we make ourselves better and how do we make ourselves stronger so, I mean, I was always in the self-help aisle since I, you know, understood there was a self-help aisle. <laughs> um, and I finally discovered that there's a field, a science dedicated to helping people live the life worth living and understanding what that actually means from a science-based perspective. Um, and I, I signed up. So there's a master's in applied positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. And I just like, I got in and that's been amazing. And so I've been sharing that information with people since. So I, I'm actually, that was my alma mater also. And I had a psychology minor um, sort of accidentally at the University of Pennsylvania. So uh, Martin Seligman, obviously, yeah. was, did you work with Martin? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah was, okay, right. So Martin Seligman basically being the, the father of positive psychology, essentially. Exactly. Well, actually, let's talk about that for a minute because I know you said we have a negativity bias. I know about I know about it, but it still always seems funny to me that we have to have like positive psychology. Like that should be like a distinction. I, I agree with you. However, because it's, it's even if you think about um, the way our, our science, our, our fields are formed and so much of how we frame life, um, psychology to date, you know, is, is still a new science. And it started off, and it, it didn't start off this way, but it became a deficit model. So it was focused on what's wrong with people and how do we fix it. So how do we get people from negative 10 to zero? And it was really successful and continues to be in helping us diagnose issues and help people um, return to some level of norm normalcy. But instead of asking the question of what's wrong with people, it wasn't asking the questions of what's right with people and how do we amplify it. So we had to create a new field to ask those series of questions and reframe how we look at the human being and well-being and what it means to be happy. And so we were just taking the same empirical approach to asking a different set of questions. But if you even think about our medicine, I mean, if you think about so many fields, it always starts with the problem rather than what's good about this and how do we make it better? And that, again, probably comes from that negativity bias because we want to, like, fix what's wrong right now instead of thinking about what's awesome and how do we make this even more awesome? Well, it also seems like there's this, this constant thing that if something bad happens, it applies to everything. You know, like I lost the job because I'm terrible at work and I can't do good work and that's the end of it. Or this person broke up with me because I'm not good enough, you know, period. Obviously not everybody experiences that, but it does seem to be a sort of like a general thing, right? The bad thing happens and then everything is bad. Yeah, Martin Seligman actually, um, one of the things that he became famous for is his theory around learned optimism. And he discovered that people tend to globalize negative events into kind of their entire reality. And, um, but some people don't. And, 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 and what he teaches and what we continue to teach is that we can teach ourselves to isolate that event into just that event. And it doesn't have to be your whole life. If you didn't get the sale, you're not a loser and you're not going to be not successful. Um, for the rest of, you know, your career. And so, it, again, it's about narrowing that gap between the event that sucked um, and, and keeping it contained rather than letting it spill over into your identity, into what it means for your entire future or what it says about you. Sure. So, well, one thing that, you know, most people have had at least some experience with is death. Uh, you know, once you get to a certain age, pretty much everybody has had some experience, either a friend or a loved one, hopefully not, but it, it happens. So that obviously is a legitimate hardship. It's something that's very difficult, but how, how are you supposed to reframe that? That's an awesome question. <laughs> awesome question. Thank you. Well, I think that what people who are very resilient are able to do is hold in one hand the sadness of the loss that they're experiencing and all the other emotions that come with that. 
and experience them. So we don't want to deny the loss. But at the same time, or pretty soon after, you know, you go through the initial phases of mourning, you want to be able to also hold in your hand the celebration of life that was had, like the celebration of this person who was in your life, of all the memories, being able to appreciate all the goodness that they brought into your life and that they, they had on others. And so it's being able to hold the positive and the negative and being able to make some meaning out of the experience. And, you know, what is it that one can learn from this experience of death? How can, how can we grow by going through this experience? And people who are very uh, resilient and emotionally well-off are able to hold the, the positive and negative at once and also make some kind of meaning out of the event. Now, what that meaning is, it depends on the person and the experience, but it's amazing that studies show there's this one study I'm I, I'm not super familiar with it, so I'm going to paraphrase and hope I get it right, but people should look it up. They asked quadriplegics, who, people who became quadriplegics, um, about their happiness and people who won the million, uh, who won the lottery about their happiness at the onset of becoming handicapped, winning the lottery, and then I believe one year later. And what they found is that the quadriplegics were no... Um, they, they all leveled off, and the quadriplegics became, were pretty much almost at a level of happiness that they experienced when they weren't handicapped. Again, please double-check my references for this one study, because this is one that I... But, um, but essentially, the human spirit is amazingly resilient, yeah. and we're able to make meaning out of what happens. And by meaning, I mean seeing the bigger picture of how we belong to something bigger. Okay, so you mentioned resilience a couple of times, which is something that I, I, I talk about actually a lot with clients and things. And yeah. resilience seems to be at the core of a lot of really how people respond and even thrive in certain events. You know, So how do you train? I mean, and I have my thoughts, but how do you train resilience as far as you're concerned? Yeah, there's a number of ways to train resilience. Um, you know, the first thing that um, I talk about is that we talk about learned optimism, which is, you know, the ability to isolate events into being their own contained events and teaching people how to not identify with what it is that just happened. And so being able to create some space in between that we talk about strategies to, um, to identify what it is that you're feeling. For example, a lot of people aren't able to actually hone into what it is they're feeling. So if you, can't, if you don't know what it is you're feeling, then how is it that you can move past it or process it? What most people do is tend to go numb or tend to distract themselves away from what it is that they're feeling so that they don't have a chance to really look at it. So that's another strategy that we use. And coming up, I'm actually working on a class, uh, an online class on this very topic. 
Um, so I'm developing the material right now, um, and I'd be happy to share it with with your audience um, probably in a few months. Um, well, thank you. Is that different from the Udemy course that, that I want, I, we're going to talk about next? But Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's going to be focused purely on helping people bounce back. Yeah. Okay. What about you? What are some of the strategies that you like to use? Well, I, so I'm a big fan of heart rate variability training. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, I think that for very type A people, and you know, I, this is I'm, this is coming from someone who is who is a trained yoga instructor, and I've done a lot of meditation, but I honestly like I I struggle with meditation, whereas the okay. heart rate variability is is a really good feedback loop for me. Exactly, you get the feedback. Yeah. So I get I get a lot out of it personally, and I find that it has really lasting effects. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I think. There's infinite ways for us to approach whatever our challenges are. And I, what I always encourage people to do is to listen for what works for them. Like for you, that feedback loop is really critical. Um, and you found, like after exploring, you know, yoga and meditating, da, 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 like you found what works for you. And that's the number one thing I encourage people to do is to constantly listen for what is it that works for you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, let's talk about the Udemy course, okay? Because I did get to experience it, and it, it's, it's very well done. Um, and it's it's the the title is um, well, tell me what the title is exactly. It's about the, the, <laughs> the hacking title. of happiness, basically. It's the science of happiness: hacks and skills to flourish. Yeah. Right. So how did you know what what are people going to see in that course? Right. Um, well, the the purpose of that course is to give people. One, a foundation in understanding what positive psychology is all about and helping them understand what it means to truly flourish and live the good life based on science. And um, what in positive psychology, Martin Seligman, we talked about him, he developed something called the theory of well-being, which tracks five drivers as the elements of what it takes to flourish. And so those five drivers are, one, experiencing a level of positive emotion. So that's, you know, feeling happy. That's feeling a sense of gratitude. That's feeling a sense of love. So we want to experience positive emotion. So I take people through the science of what is emotion? How do we control those bad moods? How do we bounce back quickly? The second element of well-being is engagement and flow. And that's the state we experience when we're just so lost in the moment, like time passes by, we don't even realize, you know, that things are going on around us. And unfortunately, we don't experience, most people don't experience that state very often, but there are ways to get into that state more often. And it's available to us like in every moment. So we talk about engagement and flow. We talk about relationships, which are the core driver of our happiness. Relationships are the number one predictor of our happiness. And we talk about how relationships affect our brain, how they affect our bodies. We address the loneliness epidemic that's happening in our country right now. 40% of people report they're lonely. I could talk about this for hours. Uh, So... We go into relationships and how to create more connection with those around you and also how to communicate with those so that you can receive love in the way that you 
are able to receive love because all of us receive and give love very differently. And sometimes we're just speaking different languages when we're in relationship. Um, the fourth driver that we talk about of well-being is meaning. And that's about belonging to something bigger than yourself. And it's about connecting the dots, kind of how we referenced before. We were talking about what happens when someone dies and it's just it's so horrible, the loss or something bad happens in your life. How do you transform struggle into transformation and something you can grow from? And then we talk about achievement, which is the final pillar of the theory of well-being. And that's about, you know, performance. And that's about having a sense of mastery over something in your life. And we give some hacks around that. So that theory of well-being is um, an acronym to remember. All of those pillars is PERMA. And that's how the class is organized. So we include, we include some great research and studies. And then we include what I call happiness hacks, which are practices to help you amplify each of those pillars. Okay. So what is one thing that you think somebody can do right now, like right after they finish listening to this podcast and they're all amped up, what is one thing that they can do to try to be more happy or try to be more positive, I guess? I would start with gratitude. Gratitude is the gateway emotion. <laughs> it comes up all the time. All the time because it's so freaking easy. And but here's the thing, and here's the trick. It's easy for us to automatically almost go to, oh, here's what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that, like, you know, I have a home or that I have clothes on my back or I have my family. And what I encourage people to do is definitely start with whatever comes up for you and, you know, write it down. Or I used to do walking gratitude meditations when I lived in New York City when I'd get off the subway until I got to my destination, I would say I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for without pause and just keep thinking of things that I was grateful for. In the beginning, for a lot of people, it doesn't, they don't feel much. They're like, yeah, I know this. I know I have a lot to be grateful for, but I still feel like shit. So that is normal. <laughs> what I encourage people to do, and that's why I would do my walking gratitude meditations, is I would have to keep going for like five minutes of what I'm grateful for to finally let the gratitude seep from my brain, which is like, yeah, I know I have a lot to be grateful for, to have it seep down into here. Meaning I had to feel the gratitude. It's not just enough to know what you're grateful for, but you have to feel the gratitude to the point where you're like, oh my God, like you're getting the chills. Maybe you're getting a little teary. That's, that's how gratitude can unlock things for you. And it may take a little bit of time to warm up. So if it doesn't work for you right away, just give yourself a little bit of time. You know, do a free write. I'm grateful for, you know, give yourself like at least three minutes and nonstop writing or thinking or talk about it with someone else. My husband and I, before we go to bed, a lot of nights, I wouldn't say every single night, <laughs> but a lot of nights, we'll just reflect on our day and on each other and be like, I'm really grateful that you did this today. I'm really grateful for this. And even if you're not in the mood, when someone else triggers it for you, it kind of, especially if they're saying what they're grateful for about you, it definitely helps send you into that space of feeling. 
and, and gratitude. So I would start there. That's just an easy one. And yeah. um, okay. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, all right. So the the last question that I love to ask people and I, uh, is what are your and I, I sort of tricked you now because you already had to give one in a way, but what are your sort of top three tips for personal effectiveness? You know, what are those things that make you more effective every day? So now you can't say gratitude. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say gratitude. Um, the first one is listening. And I referenced this before. It's learning to listen to myself. And I think this is the number one thing that we can all learn. And I talk about this in the course is that we all have different listening styles and abilities to read what is happening inside of us. Um, and I help people identify their listening style. But have, being able to listen to myself and know what it is that I really, really, really want is kind of my North Star. And like that is connected to values, that is connected to ethics, that is connected to my goals. So it's it's being able to listen to myself and stay true because there's all sorts of things that are motivating us. Some of them are internal, some of them are external. So if you can read the difference and continue to stay true to yourself, I think that's key. So learn how to listen to yourself. And that listening can happen in different ways. It can happen through your body. Sometimes you just have a, a sense in your body it can happen um, for some people, um, they hear it. For some people, uh, they notice events in their lives and they begin to connect the dots and they're like, this is, this is beginning to tell me something. So begin to identify how you're getting your signals and fine tune your antenna. So that's the first thing I would do. Um, the second thing I would do is honor your negative emotions. Feeling bad is not bad. And we go through so much stuff trying to avoid feeling bad um, that we make things worse. So if you can just let yourself be honest with where you're at and you actually label it like, oh my God, I'm feeling angry right now or I'm feeling bad or I'm feeling disappointed, that actually helps diminish the power of that emotion and there's a great study that shows MRI patients as they're going through the machine if the attendant asks them how do you feel and they say I'm feeling kind of nervous um, it's been shown that they feel less nervous throughout the process because they had a chance to label how they were feeling third one wow. third one is I would really take time to revel, savor, develop relationships. It's so easy to take those in our lives for granted. They are the number one driver, again, of our happiness, and we derive so much from our relationships. Um, even the bad ones are great for growing. So really take time to listen and love one another. I love those. I think those are wonderful. So, all right, Stella, this has been really, uh, honestly, very uplifting for me. So thank you. Uh, can you please tell everybody where the best place to find out more about you, about WUPA, about the course, uh, everything? 
Yeah. So if you go to wupa.com and it's W-O-O-P-A-A-H. And we're going to, we're going to link to all this in the show notes. So don't worry. Yeah. Okay, good. When I thought of the name, I did not think of the very tricky spelling. So, um, so if you go to the website, you'll find info about the course and about me and, um, yeah, that's where you can go. Great. Well, Stella, thank you so much. Everybody keep being positive and, uh, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. That would be great. Thanks so much for having me.